It feels like half of the sermon's been preached, you know. Sometimes the Spirit leads, and we need to go where the Spirit goes, you know. This is what we're about in this church. But I'm going to try and bring it back into this moment where we are busy journeying the book of James. So if you missed it, James is a guy that is in your face. He's a guy that challenges your heart, your lifestyle, your mood, your emotions, but your deeds especially, the way you have faith. He gets into a space in your life where you almost become offended. He's that guy. So he wrote this book as the brother of Christ, and guess what? He wrote it on a basis of knowing Jesus personally in a house for many years. So eventually the book is yes is yes, no is no, right is right, and wrong is wrong. He wrote a book that is full of guidelines and specific points that if we literally take it, we embed it in our lives, and we live in that manner, then James says it's all about maturity in Christ. This whole book of James is all about and written for the whole point that you and I is not, we're not supposed to just be stagnant in the spirit. We are not supposed to be a lame leg in the body of Christ. We are not supposed to be the eye that cannot see in the body of Christ. James wrote this book and he wrote it to say, listen, be the eyes, be the hands, be active in the kingdom. Add to the body. Do not step away from that because it's our calling. And then what I like about James is he, he not necessarily leaves it there. He throws it back and says, okay, now you've got to live this. He throws back responsibility. He says, you've got to take up the responsibility. And now what I've taught you, what I've mentioned, what I've given as guidelines, you as followers of Christ, you as the church, now go live this. So that's James. Now we've had many conversations already. We've studied some of the chapters chapters already. And he kicked it off by saying, listen, there's trials in life. Where the life and living body falls to dead bones, But going through that moment of death in certain spaces in your life, going through it and speaking God into the moment, it will come to life and you will grow. That's what James wrote. By trials and tribulations and testing, if you go through it and not around it, you will mature as a Christian. And that's where he kicks it off. He says, listen, you've got responsibility. It's not just a God and God alone. It's you and God. And then he goes further and he says, you've got to go through that. But guess what? Recently we mentioned that you need to tame your tongue. You have control over a thing in your mind and your body, which is not just about the tongue, but it's about the heart's condition of your life and being. It's who you are, and because of who you are, you will speak certain things. You will mention certain things, and certain words will flow from your mouth. And then he says, so we all struggle with this. But like a boat with a rudder, and he says, like a horse with a bit, something powerful can be controlled and steered towards a vision. Now, what's the vision of James? Spiritual maturity in Christ. 
growing in the things of God, growing in the presence of God. So what he's saying is that in your mouth, in your tongue lies life and death, and there's consequences for both. But he wants to tell us and teach us that you and I should steer our words and steer our hearts because it comes from within to the place of life. A place where we say, enemy, no more dead bones, no more just me standing and praise and worship. But from this day on, even if I look like a clown, I will with passion call on the presence of God in my life. See, James says, you determine where you will end up through the things you say and what you say and how you say it. See, sometimes we go like, mm-hmm. And then you go like, what did you just say? I said nothing. My mouth was shut. But the way you, mm-hmm, with your body language, you actually said something. See, that will end up in a certain place. That will have a consequence, James says. You see, the thing about a boat is that you will end up on the island you are driving towards. In the direction you're heading, that island, that is the very island where you and I will live. So if you speak negativity, if you speak death, if you speak your life sucks, I tell you, you will live on that very island. It's going to be your end result. It's going to be your end destination. So James says yet again, listen, you've got to look at what you say and tame the tongue, for in it is like a kingdom of wickedness. He says, from your tongue spews poison. And then he takes it back to the heart condition. So that's why I want to pick up, uh, up from in this morning. See, James continues. There's this one story about a guy, and speaking of islands, he eventually found himself all alone on an island, and his ship sank. There he is, alone on the island, all alone. And eventually, he's lived there for five years. But living on this island by himself as an individual, he started building some shelters and huts. So one day, this one captain, actually and by luck if you ask me, arrives at this island to explore. And this captain finds this individual, this, this loner, this marooned guy. And the captain asks him, how long have you been here? He's like, I lost count. He's like, what, di- what day and time did you disappear? And he's like, that day. And the captain's like, no, you've been living on this island for five years. Are you alone? And he's like, yeah, I've been living here all alone. And then on the, in the distance, this captain sees three huts. Three ices. And the captain's like, this is weird because you're all alone. Yes, yes, yes. And then he's like, but why do you have three huts? What's the first one? And then this guy replies, he's like, no, I stay in that. That's like my house. So that makes sense. Captain asks, what's the second hut? He's like, no, that's where I go to church. That's my church. That's where I worship and praise. And then the captain asks, what's the third one? And he goes like, that's where I used to go to church. And then captain's like, but you've been living alone. You used to go to that church. Now you've got a new church next to it. And the moral of the story is that because of our tongues and our heart's conditions and us not being spiritually mature, we oftentimes cause the offense of our own lives. We are oftentimes the problem. As he 
experienced the offense in that first church he built and actually left the church and built a new church and said, no, I'm not going back to that church. I'm going to be in this church all by himself. You see, it's a thing within his own heart and mind and being. It's no one else's fault. You see, he might have had a Bible in his first church, and as God spoke into his life, as the Spirit led, he took offense because this church is preaching, oh no, it's not me, and then he leaves that church and builds a new one, one that suits him better, one that suits him more. See, and this is where James comes in. James mentions in James 3 and 4, he touches on this topic of wisdom. And he mentions in this scripture two kinds of wisdom that you and I can possess and have and dwell in. It's either a heavenly godly wisdom or wisdom from this world. So the fact of the matter is there is two different kinds of wisdom. You might have knowledge but no spirit and then it's worldly wisdom. But you might have wisdom from heaven but no spirit. Then it's just as evil, James writes. And then he clarifies and he says, you should look at the way you live. You see, true wisdom will never allow you to leave that first church because of the truth being spoken. It will guide you to maturity in the spirit. See, that is godly wisdom. It is wisdom that challenges so that you and I can grow and become better and be more. But you see, worldly wisdom speaks into a place and it becomes personal, it breaks down, causes havoc, and it's chaos. See, James comes in and says, what type of wisdom do you have? And I want to read with you James 3, verse 13 to 18. James 3, verse 13 to 18. I'm reading from the Amplified. Who among you is wise and intelligent? He kicks it off with a question. I like it. You see, because there's people that when you ask a question, they immediately respond. They immediately, I'm I'm wise, I'm clever, I'm a doctor, and I'm, you know, you, you know, you get people like that. And then he asks, who of you are wise? And I believe that in that day and time, some of the rabbis and teachers and self-proclaimed pastors and teachers and, and um, shepherds of those days, those who took the title by themselves, those people might have gone, well, I'm kind of clever, you know. I've been doing this for a while now. And then he goes on. Let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. So he sets the trap by asking the question. He says, who's good, who's awesome? And, and I believe that some people might have gone, yeah, that's me, man. You preach it, pastor, preach it, it's me. And then he says, okay, show me your works. Show me the way you live. Show me the way you preach. Show me the way you, you are. Show me you. And then we will test that on true wisdom or worldly wisdom. See, so yeah, have, have you ever, you know, someone ask you a question and then you respond, yes. And then they complete the sentence and you go like, oh man, I shouldn't have said no nothing. You respond with eagerness and maybe out of place. And then eventually you are humiliated. This is what James did. He asks the question to see who will respond. And then his whole point is, yes, you who responded. Listen to me. You must have good conduct and show it. 
good deeds, and then with the gentleness and humility, nederigheid, of the true wisdom, godly wisdom. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in your heart, you see the heart's condition, where it becomes about you and your praise and what you want and your vision and your life goals and your 10-year plan and your way of resolving the conflict and the dead bones of your life, that moment... He says, do not be arrogant. And as a result, be in defiance of the truth. So even though your intentions might be good, James says, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Even though your intentions might be good and the end goal in 10 years is, I will eventually help God do His work. But for now this, he says, hey, hold back. Don't become so self-ambitioned. Don't become so selfish and arrogant. And then he says in verse 15, This superficial wisdom, this worldly wisdom, is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, and even demonic wisdom. That's scary stuff. You know, sometimes James is saying that sometimes you think you're clever, it might be demons speaking into your ears, and you're just professing the lie. Sometimes it's not from God. See, James is writing to the church. He did not write this book to the sinners. He was writing to a church who was busy with a constant conflict and a moment of quarreling. And he spoke to the believers and he said, there's some of you are fake. There's some of you are self-proclaimed. There's some of you are not spirit-led. It's only worldly knowledge. And in those moments, you might even be led by demons. See, have you ever in your life Experience a down and out, low moment in your spirit. And in that moment, you think, oh, this is a plan. I can sort out things in this way. And you go according to the plan you experience. And 10 years later, you regret it. See, when you and I are low and down and out, and we let go of the things of God, the enemy will come in and he might inspire your worldly dreams and actions and it might be a wisdom that is demonic. Come on, that's scary stuff. You cannot say in this day that James is not in your face. James is calling the church out and says, are you led by demons in the name of God? He goes on in verse 16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. So he's giving you signs which you can take and test in your life and in your community and workspace and your heart. And he says if one or all of these show up, you should be concerned because there might be voices of demons speaking into your life. Now let me clarify this. People go like, are you saying I'm possessed? No. You see, God actually in the Word of God used a spirit, evil spirit, to go and tempt King Saul. Spirit can tempt you. A spirit can influence you without being possessed by a spirit. Evil forces can whisper into your ears, your mind, and your heart, and you can follow. James is saying, be careful, for that is worldly wisdom. And then he, he shifts the atmosphere. 
He shifts the focus. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above, and then he says this, I love it, is first. That's the foundation. That is the place where it starts. That is the heart's condition. If your heart is not this, everything else will be inaccurate. That is what James says. So he says, from above is first pure, rain, godly purity, pure immorality, and spirituality, it is being undefiled. And then he says, then peace-loving, courteous, considerate, and gentle. It is reasonable and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. Come on, that list is long. Because what he mentions is the beatitudes mentioned in Matthew and Mark, and it is the fruit of the Spirit. James is saying that the worldly wisdom might be a demonic influence, but when it's wisdom from above, it is spirit-led. I will go as far and interpret this as, if it's not spirit-led, it might be demon-led. might be demonic in your face. You see, you're not as wise and clever as you seem or you think you are when the spirits of the evil one speaks into your life. You are actually a fool and a puppet. He goes on and says, so if the spirit is leading your wisdom and you are growing in the maturity as a Christian through the spirit, then the fruit of the spirit should be there. The beautitude should be there. The fruit of your life should testify of the wisdom that fills your heart. Let's rewind a bit. He just mentioned to the very same church and teachers, self-proclaimed people, placing themselves on stands and idolizing themselves, doing it for self-gain. He just mentioned that what your heart is full of, your mouth will speak and overflow with. He's saying, listen, if you've got a problem with your tongue, is the Spirit of God truly in your heart? Come on, that's a hardcore sermon. I can see back in the day people taking their bread and a lamanki and they're leaving. They're like, I don't, I'm going to the church next door. Why? Because the truth is being spoken. And you and I know truth hurts at times. You and I know that the Word of God is called the truth. And the truth will set free. And because it's the word, it's a two-edged sword, it cuts off. So let me just clarify this as well. Nowhere is James saying avoid the conflict, avoid the conversation, and back down and be humble in the presence of God and stand back if someone is going against the truth. Nowhere. James is still saying rise to the conversation the moment someone is going against the truth. When someone is going against heavenly wisdom, then speak into that. Do not avoid it. James is not saying, oh, when you have the fruit of the Spirit, you are weak. No. I think his life and him writing this very book testifies of a strong individuals mature in the Spirit of God. Having the backing and authority of God himself. It goes on. It is unwavering, this heavenly wisdom, without self-righteousness, hypocrisy, and self-serving 
guilt. It's not about you. It's not about you as a church, James wrote. He said it's about the Spirit-led life. It's about the words that flow from your heart should be led by God Himself through His Spirit. He says that your intentions as a teacher and those serving and those being a part of the body of Christ, everything of you should be led and imparted and rooted in the Spirit leading you. And the fruit should be in your life. See, what I would have added in this book is I will ask that question again. So who of you in this room is wise? Please show me. See, the people who rose their hands in the beginning might not now do the same. Because suddenly I realize that I'm flawed. And suddenly I realize that maybe the wisdom that I thought was wisdom was a worldly wisdom. It was a selfish wisdom. It was a wisdom that is from the culture and the experience of maybe even your household. But it was not spirit-led. It's just knowledge. But if you have the wisdom of the heavens, if you have the wisdom of God, it is imparted by the Spirit of God in each and every heart. How do we taste it? I I say again. It's in a moment where you go like, I will die in this moment. Nothing can change. It is what it is. It's in a moment like that, that the words that flow from your heart over your mouth is spiritual words where my God will never leave me. It's a moment where you speak to the dead bones and you say, you will get out of this hospital if God wills. I tell you, God can heal. It is a promise. I stand upon it. God can provide. Let me testify this. Die die woord van ons getuienis oorwin ons die duivel. Okay, my words. It's a fact. It's a promise. It is declared victory. So, sorry Zander if this is personal, but it's going to happen. So Zander and Ek, for a while now, we've taken hands, we've prayed, we've stood strong in the faith that God will enter into his, his and his family's life financially. I remember the Spirit leading me one night when we had a cold conversation in the middle of winter. To say, Zander, here's the truth. I cannot explain it, but what I can tell you is being faithful in faith and being faithful in your serving God. And by giving your tithings, by being obedient to the promises, God will show up. So we both walked away. I went like, Lord, please don't drop me, man. I just preached it up. I think he went the way like, oh, I hope this works. You know what happened? His workplace actually phoned or called him in, and I know he got like a mini raise. So what happens? I get to church. Sander says, I need to talk to you. I'm like, Lord, you just dropped me. He's going to tell me it's worse. And he shares that God actually provided into his life with, with more funds. So we praised, we're like, hallelujah, and we did some choir dance, and you know, it's praising God for His faithfulness. So what happens today? I walk up there, and He looks at me and goes, like, we have to talk. Now, I've seen that face before. You're either pregnant, or you're either pregnant. I'm like, Zander, she's swanger. So he laughs, he's like, no. I'm like, bless you, brother, we're praying for your wife to come. And he testifies that he got a major raise with his dad yesterday. They called in him and his father who works with him, same company, called in the whole household and said, you are doing such a great job. They gave them major raises, both of them. Come on, let's praise God. 
You see, in that moment, I could have gone in the worldly wisdom that, you know, Zander, if you go study all your business degrees and you start a business and you grow this business, then maybe in 10 years' time, you will get out of this moment. But heavenly wisdom, spiritual wisdom, the leading of the Spirit in the moment was sweet and goosebumps were also, Father, we are holding on to you. Father, we speak words of life into this family and this household. We call the dead bones to life because you said you can make it happen. And by being faithful in your actions, Zander, being faithful in your giving and serving, Zander, because of your heart, Zander, God came in like never before. And I remember saying this, Zander, it's in the moments that you feel I cannot anymore, I'm going to die now. That God shows up. That 99.9999999% we feel this is my last breath. This is my last scent. This is my last energy. I have nothing left. It's in that moment that God opens the floodgates of heaven. And he sees, oh, my good and faithful servant, will I not pour out heaven's gates over your life? But you've got to walk the walk. James just wrote in James 2 that faith and deeds go hand in hand. You cannot just proclaim the faith. You've got to follow the promises, the guidelines, the blueprints. You and I need to step in with actions. And he started giving in faith. He was obedient in the promises. He stood strong in faith. But his action followed. And guess what? Today God is glorified. Where's the passion, church? Where's the eagerness? Because I tell you, the bones that will come to life in your life will honor God or the world. And there's consequences both ways. But I'd rather stand on a stage in humility and say, Lord, you just did a miracle than honor myself or anything else. Because I tell you, no man can turn the heart of a man. I've seen the hardest people turn in the presence of God. Why? Because it's spirit-led. It's heavenly wisdom. See, James is writing this book today. to say that you need to end in a specific way as a mature follower of Christ. I read again. But the wisdom from above, heavenly wisdom, is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving, courteous and gentle, reasonable and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering without self-righteousness, hypocrisy and self-serving guilt. And then it says, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness, that means spiritual maturity, is sown in peace by those who make peace by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. He ends it there. You know what he's saying? He's saying that by worldly wisdom, there will be chaos. But heavenly wisdom, led by the Spirit of God, will end in peace. I was under, how's your heart in this day? Mine feels like you. It's light, but it's filled with joy. It built my faith. 
You standing strong, Zander, build my faith. It's a moment of peace in my king's presence. Come on, church. Sometimes it's necessary to not have too much knowledge from this world, but rather say, Lord, your spirit, what now? Holy Spirit, wait to. Holy Spirit, I call the things I do not yet see as if they are ready. Thank you, Lord, for the pregnancy in someone else's life. It's going to come. If that's your desire, God knows your desire. gives unto you your wants and needs. Psalm 37, I see the smile, Gail, take it. Come on. Don't tell me you did not receive something on this day. You and I need to be led by the Spirit so that heavenly wisdom flows from our hearts over our lips. That the enemy knows we are serving a God that is alive and active. His promises is true. That if we stand in faith, we act in faith, we go over in deeds. The testimonies will be great and the enemy will be overcome. In the moment and the dead bones will be alive. And we will be a warrior army in the presence of our God. Come on, church. We're teaching our son, John Luke. I the black him, it's a normal we give so everywhere he goes and he finds change of money oh everything is in the blicky we've been seeing lately that he takes that very money and wants to give it to some Mikeys you know why? because the promise is true why? faith and actions will end up on an island where you don't want to leave let's close our eyes as you sit here and you want to say, Lord, change my island. Come on. Lord, bring the passion back. Oh, Lord, the heavenly wisdom bestow and planted in my spirit and heart. If that's you, let's raise our hands. Let's say, heaven, here I am. So, Lord, I pray. That in this day, the testimony will be like Xander's testimony. That you, Father, will go into each and every life a moment. That your wisdom through your spirit will be our part as a church and a body. But as individuals, Father, you guide, you move, and you speak, Father God. I pray that it will be sweet. That it will be a place of maturity in the spirit like James writes, Father. Let it not be just knowledge, but let it be spirit-led. Let it be a place of growth. Let it be a place of being active according to the calling over our lives. So hear this enemy. You have no right. No right, for we are bought with a price. We have potential. We have value. We have a, a vision that is from God. It is spoken, it's inspired, it is alive. Lord, we take it and declare it over our lives. So enemy, you cannot touch. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord, we stand today in the spirit and in this house on the holy ground. And we declare that. We speak that. It is alive, Lord. You will provide, Father, for the altars in our lives. Father, we follow in this day. And as we reach out, we take your leading. We take your wisdom. We take your promises, your word, a two-edged sword alive. We take it. We speak. So Lord, we glorify you for each and every bone that came to life today. 
each and every mountain that moved, each and every heart that was shifted and changed, every mindset, Father, which you influenced and changed in the Spirit. We honor you and you alone. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this prayer. Thank you for your leading, Holy Spirit. And thank you for your deliverance, Father God. We can walk out of this place bold, matured, grown. Father, we just say in this day we love you. We say in this day we honor you. Thank you for being God of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the house says, Amen. Thank you so much for coming out. Let's rise to our feet. Remember to have conversation with us regarding the training, if you will. Remember the fourfold. We've already mentioned all the dates. Register, please, for all that. And then pray tomorrow, 6.30. If you want to join the band, there's still space and place. Come and have conversation. Let's close our eyes as we pray the blessing. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for the moment. I pray your super awesome godly blessing in a double portion fold over each and every individual heart and household in this place as they leave let them leave in that covering and that promise in the mighty name of jesus amen and amen be safe